Hello and welcome to Landscape Photography World, the podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne. I'll be your host on this show, talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This time, I'll be talking to Laurie Winter about her amazing New Zealand and worldwide landscapes. Laurie is a photographer based in Wellington, New Zealand. Photography is her side business, her passion, her creative outlet, and a chance to practice mindfulness and appreciate what incredible scenery she has on her doorstep. She talks about how she feels incredibly lucky to have a hobby that allows her to visit all the most beautiful places in New Zealand, photograph them, and turn these photographs into artworks that capture the essence of the scene that was in front of her. We discuss how she balances a young family with her passion and full-time job, what photography means to her, and how the New Zealand landscape shapes her photography experience. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Laurie. Welcome to the podcast. How are you going? I'm very well, Grant. Thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure to have you, uh, even though it might be the second time. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell anyone. <laughs> no, we, we won't tell anyone that we had a, a bit of a failure the first time around. But uh, anyway, it's just between you and me. Sounds so what, what's the Laurie Winter story? Can you tell me how you got started in photography, how you... Uh, how it came to be such a passion. Sure. Um, so I guess it probably came from my love of the outdoors. Um, so in my teenage years, in my early 20s and into my late 20s, I guess I was really into um, hiking. And um, for a long time, I did it sort of as a, as a youth group activity and I would take teenagers into the bush. Um, and then I started doing some solo hiking as well. Um, and during those times, I really wanted to capture the New Zealand bush and, you know, having seen the likes of Andre Apps and Craig Potton and mm -hmm. the beautiful bush scenes that they could do with the, you know, the movement of the water and stuff like that, I wanted to replicate that. Um, and I guess I started carrying a camera with me to document these trips that I was doing by myself, um, you know, nothing too crazy. Um, and yeah, I, I decided I wanted to be like Craig Potton and take some amazing photos of the water. And so I bought a camera uh, or a better camera and I decided to learn how to use it. And so I took myself off to night school and it just developed from there. So I was kind of hooked quite instantly um, and really loved being able to um, go out with my camera and see something beautiful and come home and, you know, do a little bit of editing on it and just come up with some really great results. And yeah, the rest is history. Hiking Fantastic. on the back burner, photography on the front now and... <laughs> Yeah, don't get it quite into the bush quite as often as I'd like to these days with little kids and stuff. But yeah, yeah. understandable, understandable. So where, where where are you now in your photography journey? Do you think where you know where where do you see yourself? Um, I would really like to um, be able to get back into more hiking and that sort of thing mm -hmm. um it's probably not easy at this stage of life at the moment to be able to go away for a few days quite as often as I would like to but um for me photography is a hobby and I I don't actually intend on making it a career I've, yep. I've got a career that I really love as as my thing and photography is kind of an outlet for me a creative outlet um a chance to be by myself at times, um, mindfulness, but because of 
fitting in photography into you know having a family a young family or or you know almost teenage kids now who are very sporty and very active I don't get a lot of time to do it and fit that in around my job so I guess in the future the dream will be when my children are more growing up is to be able to do more for longer so maybe not quite so frenetic but Mm -hmm. actually being able to go somewhere and then just wait for the right light or you know wait wait for really amazing conditions at the moment I feel like I'm trying to squeeze so much into a small period of time that I'm I'm chasing all the time and not always getting the results that I'm after but yeah yeah, it'd be nice to do it in a bit more of a calm way yeah (laughs) well I've I've found it tends to be a a fairly calming activity so how how does it fit into I guess that that frenetic lifestyle that you've got with uh near teenagers which I personally know can be a handful I've I've had three girls myself and uh you know when they get to that sort of pre-teenage there's there's usually a lot on how does um there is a lot um and it's interesting because I'm finding my boys um they want me around more than ever these days as they come into their teenage years which has been a surprise to me but I'm kind of embracing it at the moment and just trying to be there at their sports games and and stuff like that but I'm very lucky I have a very understanding husband um, and he's understanding because he's also really into the outdoors himself and so we you know we take turns all year long he might go away for a week with one of his mates and they might go hunting or you know go on a he does much bigger hikes than I did Um, and so it's a case of taking turns Um, and we just kind of have to fit around each other. I'm also really lucky through my main employment that they give us six weeks annual leave a year. So I can kind of allocate a little bit to photography and a little bit to family time and and just try and find the right balance there. Yeah, great. Um, and And then my husband and I argue because we both prefer to do our activities in the autumn and in the winter (laughs) Um, yeah so it gets pretty jammed up over that winter season and that's when the boys are playing rugby as well so it's you know it's chaos for half the year and then I think summer comes around and I kind of relax a little bit and the camera gets put away for a while oh nice I can yeah yeah, be there a bit more for the boys time on the beach maybe yeah, that would be nice. It's not warm <laughs> enough in Wellington for that, but you know, we can no, dream. I suppose not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, gotta gotta go up the uh up the Coromandel or uh up, yeah. up to the Bay of Plenty, I guess. Yeah, well we our family um have a holiday at Lake Tarawera near Rotorua nice. every year around Christmas. And yeah, we're just kind of watching at the moment because it's with Auckland family, so we're just waiting to see how Christmas is going to play out this year. I'm crossing yeah, my fingers, yeah. I can get up. Oh, there. I know it's it's been tough there uh, with with the lockdown as it as it has been uh, here in Australia. We're I, you know we're we're just coming out of it now, which is mm. nice to see. But um, yeah, I know I know some people there in Auckland are uh, doing it pretty tough at the moment. Yeah, they've definitely had enough. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely know what it feels like. It was really good when uh, when lockdown lifted here, and it was uh, you know the first opportunity to actually go out and shoot something. So I've, I've mm. taken just about every opportunity that I've had uh, you know on a weekend to at, at least get one shoot in on on a weekend, which has been nice. Yeah, we've been pretty lucky in Wellington. I mean, there has been lockdowns, um, but not like. Auckland and the Waikato have had for you know yeah. quite an extended period of time now so you, you kind of forget living your day-to-day life and and then you know you want to meet up with a friend and your friends in Auckland or in Waikato yeah, and yeah, you yeah, kind of realize that yeah. <laughs> yeah people are a bit trapped at the moment yeah. well I'm sure it uh, I'm sure it'll get sorted out soon I hope 
fingers crossed. So what motivates you creatively? What's the what's the driver behind Laurie Winter's photography? I've always um, found myself really fascinated by the beauty of nature. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds really cliche, but um, right from being really little, you know, I used to look at pictures of New Zealand and I always tell the story about my Nana and her biscuit tin that had Lake Matheson on it. And, you know, I would sit there looking at this beautiful reflection of these mountains and I kind of just always felt drawn to it. And I hadn't done a lot of traveling right up maybe until you know my early 20s around New Zealand I mean and you know I'd gone overseas and and seen some of the world but not really seen New Zealand and when I finally got down to the South Island and spent a bit of time down there I was like oh my goodness I really have to to get amongst this a bit more so yeah I, I, there are times where I'll be somewhere taking photos and it's quite an emotional response for me like mm -hmm. you know when it's really beautiful and still and nature just looks amazing that's a really special time and so yeah. you know I'm, I'm driven to try and have those moments um, and like I said life's really busy so some of it is just about getting away and you know I'm a little bit introverted so having some time on my own or some quiet time yeah. um, with nature is really big for me no, yeah so totally yeah, it, it ended that. up <laughs> sorry cutting you off there um yeah landscape photography is my thing and it's I've not really got into anything else and I think it's just because of that that whole nature thing yeah yeah so do you try to be artistic in terms of your photography or are you trying to I guess capture the reality of the scene that you're looking at mm, that's a good question I'm still pretty new in terms of photography. So it's only been around about five years. Mm. Um, and I think for the first few years, it was very technical. It was about yep. getting the photograph right and, and actually just trying to produce something that I really loved. And I think maybe because I have been back to a lot of places recently, I've just found myself in the last year or two being a little bit uninspired by maybe what I've produced in the past and and actually really looking for something a bit different and um you know I'm starting to get some feedback from people saying oh you know that that photo was really different to what you normally do um so you know having a play around with um the artistic side is grabbing me more but I've um I've always said I'm I don't naturally feel like I'm a creative person I'm quite drawn to the technical side of photography and sure. you know okay. that that whole idea of how do you balance a photo yeah. and um you know being able to visualize a scene i find quite challenging i often can't visualize a scene until i'm actually looking through the viewfinder and then i'll okay. see what works um so yeah it's definitely at the moment just trying to think when i go back somewhere what can i do this time that was different to last time i was here and so, so do you find yourself challenge it do you find yourself going into the field with a concept of what you want to capture or do you leave it to the experience that you know that you're seeing and you know you, you know it might be great light or it might be particular weather conditions you know a lenticular cloud over a mountain or something you know and you just go okay that's the shot and off you go as you said you look through the viewfinder to do the the final composition but I guess in planning do you go out looking to take a particular shot or particular conditions that 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 might be in existence at the time 
I guess I've been very drawn to certain types of conditions. So mm-hmm. you know, I jokingly call myself a bit of a fair weather photographer. Yeah. Um, and so I think I probably do have in my mind, you know, just constantly trying to get that photo that I have decided in my brain, that's what I want. And so it's probably the driver a lot of the time of going somewhere of these conditions that I've dreamed up in my head that I consider would be, you know, the banger. Um, But I'm getting better at accepting conditions that are less than ideal and working with them as well. So that's probably a challenge for me, um, particularly when the weather's not good because it takes a little bit of effort for me to get out there. But having said that, there's been times recently where I've gone out and and got something captured that probably wouldn't have grabbed me in the first place and actually really loved the photo and I can think of a time quite recently when I went to um, the Hooker River and it was it was a completely clear skies and it was middle of the day so it was probably the worst possible conditions for photography Uh, but there was just a band of cloud just hugging the mountain and I managed to completely crop out the sky and just get this little tiny band of cloud in there and a a lot of river in my foreground and I got it home and I was like wow that's really different to what I would normally have done and I really loved it so yeah I've, I've probably just been a little bit fixated on getting that dream shot and now trying to make conditions work for me rather than the other way around. Yeah, yeah, sure. I know a lot of people are probably jealous of uh, you Kiwi photographers because you uh, sort of live in Middle Earth, as uh, as people say. And, you know, the um, I, I, I don't think it's just the landscape. I mean, the landscape is stunning on itself, but you do tend to get quite good conditions there, you know, like anywhere not all the time but you know quite frequently and I guess it's relatively small enough that if it's not working in one location you can fairly quickly get to another location depending on where you are you know if you're yeah yeah you know, you're up in the back country it can take you a little bit of time but uh yeah, if you know. have to hike anywhere but if you've got some wheels um you know I've been known to do some pretty insane distances you know, in one day to get to somewhere that I've decided I want to be the next day or that evening, even for sunset. But, you know, you say that New Zealanders are lucky, and we definitely are, and I love taking photos of New Zealand, but there is a lot in Australia that I would love to explore, you know. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very appreciative of where I live, and, you know, uh, it, it kind of leads me to my next question, which is how much does where you live impact what you shoot? For me, quite a lot. Um, so Wellington's pretty well known for not having the best weather. Yeah. Um, and I, I do find being at home hard to be motivated because, you know, to get anywhere decent, you've got to drive 20 or 30 minutes. And I'm not going to lie, nine times out of 10, nine and a half times out of 10, you're going to get there and you're going to set up and it's going to be disappointing. <laughs> Um, So I I do, I say it over and over, I really need to do more in Wellington because Wellington's beautiful, but it, you know, there's the saying, you can't beat Wellington on a good day and, and then someone will pipe up, well, that's only three days a year. So um, yeah, the motivation to to do stuff around home is hard, but also home is where life is, you know, home is where my boys are and work. And so I don't tend to prioritize that I I prioritize these trips where I get to go away for a few days or a week, um, you know, and then I'm just trying to make the most of that time. But really, it's another area I should be challenging myself to actually, you know, show off my home. 
Sure, sure. I, d- I don't want to create a North Island, North Island, South Island, uh, you know, rift. But uh, which is your favourite? If anyone said North Island, they'd be lying. <laughs> um, I mean, I love the South Island. I love mountains and I love lakes and I love reflections and snow. So you you can't beat it. Um, but over the last couple of years, I've done a little bit more in the North Island than I have mm. in the past. And you know, anyone who's not going to the North Island probably is missing out. Yeah, yeah, um, I I totally agree. I mean, if you know, it, like I'm quite into seascaping, obviously. So I I, I find both uh, are quite good for for that, depending on you know uh, where you are and conditions, but. Um, yeah, you know, I I think there there's some spots on the North Island that you know I'd go to before I go to, you know, not necessarily say Milford Sound. Fair enough, you know that that, that that's always going to be a a mecca, <laughs> but uh, you know there there's certainly some spots up around Coromandel or uh, you know um, Bay of Islands is in, in particular as well, which you know just the the scenery there is absolutely astounding, you know. Um, yeah, and iconic New Zealand in a completely different way. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. A good example was. Um, just last autumn actually I didn't manage to get down south and I've been trying to get down south in autumn for the last couple of years again Um, and central Otago is you know is the place to be for autumn in New Zealand Um, but a friend and I went to the Hawke's Bay and just as good as far as I was concerned we just had some amazing scenes Mm. uh, and beautiful autumn colours but no one ever associates Hawke's Bay with with autumn you know yeah, yeah. so you know there's, well, there's a lot of gems to be had in the north it's island all, it's all about uh sauvignon blanc isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah that's the one the wine uh, mind you that's uh that, it, it, that's not too shabby from hawks bay either <laughs> no it's not it's not at all although i think if i had to pick a sauvignon i would have to say marlborough is your pick Ah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Yep, and the uh, Otago Reds can't go past those. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, New Zealand wine, but you know, also also a big fan of Australian wine. Big big fan of wine all altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Any wine is good wine. When you're looking for a spot, what what's your go to? You know, if you've got you know that thirty minute drive, what is there a go to spot near Wellington that you repeatedly find yourself drawn to um probably not within 30 minutes but if you're thinking more like a, an hour and a bit sure, then sure. castle castle point in the wire wrapper okay. is um, definitely high on the list but also cape palliser at the very very bottom of the north island is amazing as well i, mean, I think you'd love it for seascapes and yeah, you know, there's a pretty yeah. cool red and white lighthouse there um and and the pinnacles are there as well but you know, that's also, you've got to go quite a long way around and over the mountains to kind of get there. Um, appreciating Lake Wairapa recently as well. So okay. that's another good spot. But um, yeah, home, what I really want to capture in Wellington is more of that, those iconic Wellington scenes, you know, so yeah, yeah. the South Coast and and the view of the city from Mount Victoria Lookout. I yeah. mean, I live here, I should have heaps of those photos, but I don't yet. <laughs> So there's uh, still a lot of places in Sydney that uh, I'm sort of going to and finding new angles. You know, everyone's got the Opera House and 
the Harbour Bridge and you know, the city in general. But um, I'm I'm trying to find new and different angles for it. And uh, you know, for me that that that's a bit of a challenge because it's you know th th those icons are iconic. You know, for a reason. For good reason, know. right? Yep. Um, and you know, they they're, they're all very photogenic and the harbour's a, a great place to to shoot but um yeah just just trying to find new and different places to to, to get around to it's uh you know and uh, i i think it's a, a good way of challenging yourself and you know getting into thinking about you know new and different ways of uh, photographing where you live because to me i think it's important to do that you know there's so much change has gone gone on certainly you know in my lifetime here in sydney and you know you look back at some of those old uh shots from the the 60s when i was born and the 70s and whatever and the skyline itself is totally changed you know it's totally different yeah and you know you you look back at those shots and you you know do those comparisons and whatever and i i think it's important to record that sort of stuff even even you know ordinary street scenes you know the, just looking at the fashions and the types of cars and you know the the, the that are still around i think it, i think it's really important to uh, record that you know if nothing else just so you can show your kids well this is what it was like back in 2021 you know <laughs> yeah it's funny you should say that because i was looking um i grew up in a in a seaside suburb in wellington and didn't know how lucky i was but a tiny little cottage just my mum and i lived in for a few years like literally a one-bedroom cottage and across the road was the beach and you know i just kind of took it for granted that's where I lived and I um yeah I've been around there a few times and taken a few photos and I really wanted to get a photo for my mum of the area and I haven't really quite nailed what I wanted I went for a drive around that area the other day and our little cottage is gone oh wow so yeah it's been replaced by a great big whopping townhouse and yeah I felt really sad that I hadn't you know gone and got a photo of my yeah, old house yeah. um you know you kind of just think it's always going to be there but well that's it <laughs> yeah i mean i it, it's something i've never done actually and uh you know you you're saying that's kind of prompted the thought and probably you should go and have a look and see what the uh the old the old place look looked like yeah <laughs> <laughs> might not it might not be there as well yeah no. <laughs> so when you're out in the field is there something that you're looking for i guess in terms of your composition obviously you know foreground elements and so forth uh, uh, you know and, and a key subject but what what are the things that i guess do catch your eye when you're out in the field well, I, I say it all the time, anything that's got a reflection in a mountain, you know, I'm yeah. there and, you know, if you can get some some cute little strategically placed rocks, then that's great as well. Yeah. Um, again, it sounds a little cliche, but I just, you know, I find it really calming seeing those scenes. Um, but I, I also just am trying to embrace a little bit more of the whole moving water thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I would, I would love to do some more seascapes. I am a little bit afraid of the ocean sure. um, you know I talk about growing up opposite a beach but it was a very calm sheltered beach and I never really had any experience with rocks and waves and yeah, yeah. you know it still makes me nervous um but you know the other thing I'm I look for is bold color like I, I really enjoy a vibrancy in photos so if there's mm -hmm. a real contrast between 
you know, the grasses and the sky and the trees and the water and anything like that, then I really love those contrasts and those strong colours and actually bringing those out. So, you know, that again, that's why the South Island shines because you've got those beautiful contrasts and the greens Absolutely. and the golds yeah. and the blues. Yeah, and white on the on the of the snow on the mountains against yeah, the black. If you're lucky, if you're lucky, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah. and there's no cloud. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So for for people that don't know uh, the area, what are what are conditions? You know, like like I know they call it windy Wellington. What, but you know what what are conditions normally like around you know where not just where you live but where you normally shoot what 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 sort of conditions can people expect if they're there well it's almost always windy so that's that's not an exaggeration um we have actually our calmest time of the year tends to be in winter when the temperatures are dropped mm -hmm. and so you know if i'm wanting to get maybe a cityscape and you know with the lights on and the reflections in the harbor then pretty much you're kind of confined to winter to be able to get something like that. In oh. um, spring, of course, we're going through it now, but it's just relentlessly windy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're, you're talking gales every second day. So, yeah, us Wellingtonians, we have to love the wind. Um, for seascapes, people love it because, you know, it creates that awesome wave movement. Um, the other thing that always kind of winds me up about Wellington is it can be a really nice day windy of course but you know with beautiful high cloud around and you'll set yourself up at sunset and you think you know this is on and then um from the cook straight this band of low gray cloud often <laughs> rolls across the hills and and out west and blocks that setting sun and you're like oh, not again um but that that rolling gray cloud is very common in summer in the warmer months um you know that aside, the good things about Wellington, you know, we're a harbour city, the whole Wellington area is quite walkable. Yeah. Um, you know, I always, one of the things I say is, it's really lucky that Wellington's weather's not so great because otherwise everyone would want to live here. Um, you know, so from a city point of view, I absolutely love here, love living here and no plans to move, but from a photography point of view, it, it challenges me. With, with your photography, you said you went, or your education, I guess, around photography, you said you went and uh, did a did night school. What what was the course and what did that entail and what do you think that taught you? Yeah, my experience with night school was quite interesting. Um, so I'd never done a night school before and um, you know, we'd, we'd had a, a, a crop sensor DSLR for a few years and I'd found it heavy and, you know, like I said, I wanted to take a camera hiking and so we'd done some research and I ended up with um, an Olympus camera, so mm -hmm. very small mirrorless that, you know, you could pretty much put in your pocket. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to learn how to use it properly and, you know, take some of these photos that inspired me. And so, yeah, I signed up to just a high school night class um, and I, I found it kind of awkward to be honest um, so my tutor that I had was a bit of a traditionalist and I got a sense very quickly that mirrorless was he was not terribly impressed <laughs> with the camera that I'd come along with um, and also I'm, I'm quite a perfectionist and I worry about getting things wrong and so I'd sat there before this course reading about settings and reading about how to use my camera and I kind of felt that you know I got to this course and they were teaching the basics and had I not 
been learning it I would have learned it on the course but then I kind of yeah. found myself going oh, I've kind of taught myself what I needed to know anyway sure. so I kind sure. of consider myself self-taught um, okay. and joining Instagram was actually a big part of that as well so I joined Instagram originally to show off some of this hiking that I was doing um, and then you know I fell towards the photography and oh there were photographers who were sharing their settings and um, like Rach Stewart for a long time was a really big mentor to me. You know, she, you know, told me, would explain how she used her filters and we kind of bonded because we were both mums with young kids. Um, mm -hmm. She was fitting photography into that lifestyle as well. And, you know, she gave me some really good tips and, um, and then I met my friend who's kind of my photography bestie now, Megan Maloney and her the same, you know, two young boys and fitting photography around that. And, I found a lot of people really willing to tell me about what settings they used and what equipment they used and stuff like that. And, yep. um, you know, I was able to start replicating that and experimenting. And, you know, with things like long exposure photography, if you don't have someone telling you that, it's quite hard to kind of figure out. Yeah, um, yeah. there's a there's you know, a lot to experiment with and a lot of mistakes you can make to uh yeah you know. I, I can still remember sitting on a beach um and I'd been on a hike I'd done the Able Tasman with a friend and we were down there um in Kaiteri Terry and I was trying to take a long exposure of the ocean and I didn't have any filters and it uh -huh. wasn't nighttime and yep. so of course it didn't work and I couldn't really conceptualize why that was <laughs> you know <laughs> um you know so yeah it was a steep learning curve, but I had some really good people helping me out, which was really nice. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of kind of like when I discovered bracketing. Um, yeah. You know, start and, and and using luminosity mask to to expose your blend, you know, so that you could not just manage that, you know, uh, width of um, dynamic range, but also you know manage the the ability to take a longer exposure through, you know, stopping down and stopping up the, you know, the, the, the setting so that you, you, you've got a, a range of that movement that you can actually blend into the image as well. And uh, changes yeah. everything, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's where, and that's those sorts of things that I guess change everything for, for, for anyone that's uh, learning to, to, to shoot, you know, you've, you've got a, you got to put the time in, but you you also need advice. And um, you know, I guess on that, you you mentioned Rach Stewart. I guess is she one of your go tos? Uh, and uh, Megan, is she one of your go tos for uh, you know advice, or, or or don't you feel you, you you're needing that as much now? Rach is very busy these days. <laughs> very sure. very famous, of course, in New Zealand. She's done so incredibly well. Um, so no, I think she set me up really well. Um, mm -hmm. and then a lot of what I try to teach myself these days is falling onto YouTube kind of thing and, and having a look and there's so many people sharing their knowledge. It's quite accessible to find, sure. um, really good tutorials and really good free tutorials to be able to help yourself. Um, Megan and I, we, we work very well together when we go on a trip and take photos. We're very similar in, you know, the way we approach things. And so her and I recently have been, you know, trying to get our Astro a little bit better. And mm -hmm. we're probably, we're, we're never going to be right up the top, you know, with all the equipment because, you know, I'm just, I'm not ever going to go down that path of, of carrying all the things you need to do to be <laughs> yeah. you know, phenomenal. But I 
definitely was thinking, you know, a lot of these photos are noisy and my foreground's not sharp. And so we've been spending a lot of time thinking, well, how can we make it better? And, and you mm -hmm. know, having some success with that, which has been really nice. Yeah, um, so for me, finding some people who, you know, shoot the same way and enjoy hanging out. And, you know, there's, there's a handful of other people that I'll travel with or meet up with as well. Um, and I learned something from all of them and always learning something. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think it's great when you can be part of a, you know, even if it is only small, but a, a community of like-minded people, you know, that, you know, you can get out and, uh, you know, find new places or find new techniques and, you know, bounce ideas off one another, you know, it make, makes all the difference, I think. Yeah, and, you know, there's some incredible photographers in the New Zealand community who I know, you know I, yeah. I look at and I'm just I'm like, oh, I've got so much more to learn and so far to go but that, I mean that's great but you know really really inspiring stuff which yeah. is cool so when you when you're thinking about going out for a shoot how long do you sort of gestate on the on the concept and how long do you plan do you do you plan now, I know some people just go out and shoot when conditions are right they they look at the weather report and go yep it'll be good and off they go is that is that your style or do you tend to sit there and look months and days ahead and say okay well it's going to be like this around that time that's when I'm going to go I kind of have to be so you know just thinking sure. back to trying to juggle my time with my husband and, and share nicely <laughs> you know play nicely in the sandpit you know so my trips will be booked months in advance um and i will be you know i'll be thinking okay well winter's going to be best for this area and, and autumn's going to be best for this area um and i would say yes i plan but also i don't so the plan is always really fluid um but in some respects probably over planning you know i spend a lot of time looking at the weather forecast and trying to second guess nature and decide where i'm you know i'm going to be best to put myself the next morning or whatever um and finding of course that it doesn't always work out the way you want it to and and so maybe a little bit more of going down and heading to a region and being prepared to stay even if the forecast isn't what you think is the best because yeah, yeah. that's when you get some really interesting conditions and um you know it keeps coming back to me thinking oh, i've only got you know two weeks of photography time a year i really want to be able to get not only content but you know stuff for my website and things that are different um yep. so it can feel like I'm under a lot of pressure at times and you know that can affect the enjoyment but I definitely want to just spend more time staying put and just taking what nature gives me yeah yeah um, and I think that's a a really good uh way of looking at it because you know the more time you've got the more time that you take you know obviously you know if you're if you're on a tour schedule or whatever you know you kind of got to be somewhere at a certain time it's hard to do but if you, if you do have the time and the, the luxury of spending you know an extra day or two you know in, in a location it can really make all the difference to uh, what you end up taking home the, the thing that makes me jealous is the people who can see an aurora forecast and jump on a plane kind of thing you know i'm nowhere near a stage in my life where i can do that sort of thing but you know that's the future dream yeah, to be able I'd, to I'd say like oh to there's a yeah, there's a snowstorm coming you know two days later i'm on a plane and i'm going to go down and, and chase that weather i you know really wish i could do that but 
one yeah. day I'll get there. Fair enough, fair enough. I guess what what drives what you look for in a location? You know, what what are the things that you're, um, you know, you mentioned mountains and reflections. So, you know, obviously a, a good lake or a nice still day are the things that you're looking for. But I guess when when you're doing your planning, what are, what are the things that you, you're looking for weather-wise as well? I think these days um, I'm a lot more focused on trying to go to areas of New Zealand where I haven't been before. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm really lucky. I've seen a huge amount of New Zealand, but there are actually some regions that I've I've never managed to get into. Um, so they're you know they're quite high on the list in terms of where I would like to plan to go. But it's you know I'm torn in two because there's so many amazing locations that. I haven't got the photo I want from and so sure. you know I want to go back there as well yeah. and then you find yourself going back to the same places quite often um, and they you know they become like a little bit of a second home you know you've become so familiar with it that it's quite comforting to go to some of those places yeah, and yeah. Um, you don't have to think too much about researching compositions and researching you know even where you can park your car in the morning yeah. Um, yeah. which you know can can make it easier to kind of choose those places but you know, I do want to be going to new places and and trying to see New Zealand through new eyes, I guess, and, and get something that's a bit different. Mm, cool. Do you print your work? I don't print enough of it, no. Um, I mean, I print for other people. Yep. And, um, you know, I've got photography available for sale on my website and I sell a little bit. Um, and I'm always, when I pick up a print, I'm like, wow, I should do more of this for myself and yeah, then yeah. I don't but um my husband and I are coming towards the end of a full renovation of our house um you know all yep. cosmetic but there's new paint and there's new opportunity to put some pictures up and um yeah you know, I said to my husband you know when we get something framed I'm going to print some of my photos but when we get them framed I don't want them framed in a way that I can't change them out Yep. Um, you know, because I've had some framed photos in the past and then you go, you take the back off and it's like all glued down beautifully and it, you know, <laughs> it's fantastic. But I want to be able to chop and change it. So yeah. yeah, I've made a commitment to myself to print more of my own photos. Um, but I also, you know, I, I purchased one of Dale Sharp's prints. Okay, yeah. For my living room, which will kind of be, um, you know, the main art in that room. Um, and so trying to get a little bit of other people's art is really appealing to me as well. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So when, when you are printing, uh, what are you, what are you looking for from your, your print provider? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're not printing your own stuff on your own printer at home. No, I'm not. Um, I was approached by a printer in Wellington not so long ago. And he said, I really want to print your work, <laughs> uh, which was really lovely to hear. Um, yeah. And I kind of said to him, well, it's not going to be a lot of business, but, you know, I switched my printer to um, this gentleman and he does really beautiful prints and expanded my horizons in terms of, of papers to use and that yeah. sort of thing and, and what mediums. But I take a lot of advice from him. So I will I'll often send him the photo saying, well, this is what my customer wants. What would you suggest? Um, and I trust him to choose the right paper for that. Yeah, yeah. But um, obviously printing on cotton rag a bit more than I used to. And 
like it changes the dynamic of the photo so much mm -hmm. that you know some of the ones I've printed recently you'd look at them and you'd swear they were a painting yeah, um, yeah. so it's you know I'm quite enjoying seeing some more of that and you know he prints my calendars every year and I was just chatting to someone who's also doing calendars the other day and they were like oh I'm so sick of you know the holes not being punched properly or something not lining up and I was like oh man it makes me feel really good about my printer because he yeah. just does a great job yeah, um, yeah and so yeah I, I think that relationship between the photographer and the, the the printer is really really important and you know if you're not talking to you know I mean there's hundreds of websites now that you can just dump and you know pay your money and you, you'll get sent to print you know the, which may be totally fine for what you know many people are doing but i think if you want to get as you said that painterly quality and that you know that that really high quality paper and everything that relationship is is really important you know it, especially when it gets down to things like color matching and and so forth where you want to make sure that you know that final product is pretty much exactly as you envisaged it on the screen and yeah um, totally and he knows that i love the color as well so you know don't give me anything wishy-washy i want it to <laughs> to really pop so he's, he does a great no, job there no no desaturation for no uh, not for me not for me <laughs> what's uh the most memorable experience you've had while out shooting gosh that's really hard um i would probably say the time I went to Lake Heron and the Ashburton Lakes um, and I went with a friend and it was the very first time that I'd taken an astro panorama mm -hmm. and I had no idea what I was doing really and and somehow that photo I pulled it off um, and that was a finalist in the Sony Awards that year um, for astro and I was really really proud so um, it was such an amazing night. It was so still. And I thought for a little bit that I had my white balance set incorrectly. Well, there was something wrong with my camera because the air glow was so strong mm. and I'd never experienced it quite like that, like a really vibrant purple color. Um, anyway, pulled this photo off and, and all 50 of the photos I took managed to stitch pretty much everyone I've done since then I've not been able to stitch them properly so <laughs> beginner's luck I talk about beginner's luck all the time um so it's memorable because it worked and you know, I got this this photo that I really loved out of it um you know and just sometimes being there in the dark and the silence under the stars it's it's pretty special yeah. so that stands out as a as a pretty cool moment nice very nice how about horror stories? Have you had any real failures or any real uh, sketchy experiences, I guess? Yeah, oh, like, I think horror stories all the time. You know, there's, I mean, I can't think specifics, but there's so many times I come home and I kick myself like thinking, what was I thinking? You know, not, why did I use the polarizer then? I didn't need that. And and so I, I kick myself because I think I make a lot of mistakes. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, I think I've been pretty lucky. Um, you know, I've put myself in some scary situations on my own and mm. um, another astro time actually last year, I was shooting at a church and um, 
I couldn't quite fit what I wanted in the frame. And so I hopped into this overgrown field just behind me and it's completely silent and I'm shooting, but I could hear all of the critters in the grass. <laughs> and I was just terrified. And there was a cemetery over the back of the church. I'm like, well, I can't go around that side because the ghosts will get me. Um, so yeah, yeah, the imagination's going pretty wild sometimes <laughs> there in the dark. And um, but I'm lucky I've not had any any major accidents. You know, I've taken a couple of tumbles at time and thought, oh, sheesh, that was lucky. Mm. Um, but you know, touch wood, no disasters. Yeah, well, I I, I guess you know it, it's one thing I'm very wary of is uh, getting into overgrown uh, locations here because the critters <laughs> here are, are likely to kill you. They'll kill you, yeah. <laughs> Whereas I'm probably the worrying Zealand, about they it. They might have a nibble at you, but <laughs> yeah. some poor little mouses, and I'm disturbing its its you know its house, and yeah, yeah there I am freaking out. But no, there'd be no chance in um, in Australia. My family and I went on holiday to um, down to the Great Ocean Road a couple of years nice. ago, yeah. and we stayed in this you know like an Airbnb, and we'd got this old hundred year old. Um, old schoolhouse mm -hmm. and it was beautiful but all around the outside was long grass and I, I said to my son who must have been about seven or eight at the time I was like now don't go into the grass because you know snakes well he wouldn't even go outside for three days <laughs> that was it he was inside and I was like yeah well don't look up in the corner at the spider up there <laughs> and, you know, don't touch that one but yeah he was absolutely terrified and you know I wouldn't be walking in the grass in Australia either <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it depends on where you are, but uh, yeah, I mem remember my um, sister-in-law from the UK for, for many years. She, it took her husband quite a few years of convincing to uh, uh, come and actually come and have a visit. And when they finally did, she loved it. But yeah, that, that was one of her greatest fears was all the spiders and snakes and sharks and anything else. That... She probably <laughs> didn't see any of them, right? No, didn't see one no. of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I've... I've, I've you know, you used to be a Boy Scout, used to go hiking. I still go hiking quite a bit. And I think in the wild, I've seen a total of three snakes. You know, Do you know what gets me about Australia, though? 57 years, you know. <laughs> it's the leeches. Oh, you look at fun. people yeah. going to shoot waterfalls and then they come <laughs> home and something's sucking the blood out of them. Yeah, just, no, and they're just casually like, oh, okay, yeah, I just need to get that one off me. I'm like, nah. Yeah, they're 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 uh, a little unpleasant. Those little vampires. They um, the thing is, you can't feel them either because they um, inject a uh, anaesthetic along with um, sucking the blood out of you. And they they inject two things: it's an anaesthetic and an anticoagulant. So uh, right, it's the blood yeah, flowing the well for yeah. quite some time after you've pulled them off. So wow, once you get them off, you're going to bleed for a little bit. You know? <laughs> yeah, probably probably not many Australian waterfalls in my future. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I don't mind. I've been fairly lucky with that. It's not not something that I've uh, experienced too often. I you know not not saying there's none, but uh, been. Uh, been lucky that um, I haven't been uh, covered with them, uh, and you know some some people I've seen, you know, the uh, you know come back with about a, a you know a third of their body just covered with little little leech bites. <laughs> so let's talk about something else. Eh? Definitely. definitely. <laughs> so what what do you think you've learned about the world through photography? What have I learned? I. Because I really enjoy the long exposure, I've learned some patience. 
Um, And, you know, to just, when you're waiting for a photo to be taken, you know, what have you got to do but to look around and really appreciate where you are? Um, And I think probably there are times where I appreciate it a lot more than other people I know because I'm forced to just wait and enjoy it at times. Um, And I've learned a little bit of, I guess, forgiveness of myself because sometimes those long exposures come out and your screen's still completely black at the end of it. And you're like, I've just missed all the best light and I'm not going to get that back. Um, You know, so there's been times where I've been kicking myself, but then I've learned to let that go a bit and go, well, that was a mistake and what can I do better next time? That's great. (laughs) Have you ever hit a creative wall? And if so, how did you handle it? I feel like I hit them quite a lot, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I I think probably my photography journey is a bit of a roller coaster. Whereas, you know, I'm, I've had a bit of luck and I'm suddenly really enthusiastic again and passionate about it. Um, and then maybe I've gone on a trip and I've got no photos whatsoever. And I'm like, oh, I know, what's the point? Uh, all this expensive gear and it's not doing anything. Um, but it's probably seasonal. Like I do this season in Wellington in spring when it's really windy I struggle quite a lot with the motivation to take photos and I I haven't taken a photo since August so um, that kind of puts in perspective probably in a bit of a creative block at the moment and I'm just hoping once I get that camera out and you know I will my experience is I you get the camera out and you get an amazing photo and you're like why did I not pick my camera up for four months and and then all of a sudden it's all back on and you're enjoying it again yeah 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 I I tend to uh find it when processing particularly you know the 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 shots that you sort of you skim through and you go, yeah, I might get back to that one. And then you go back to it and you look at it and you go, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. <laughs> yeah. I, I find editing hard because it's not the passion for me. Yeah. For yeah. me, the photography is being out there and experiencing the nature and, sure. and coming home and doing the editing is the work. And, you know, quite often I've got a vision for what I want this photo to look like, but then you go, oh, well, I've now got to sit here for an hour or however long it takes to try and create it. Um, And I'm really notorious for for dumping all of the photos into Lightroom or whatever. And, you know, I'll do a cull and then I'll go through and I'll do three minutes of editing on that photo. I'm like, yep, that's a keeper. I'll keep that. Right, Mm -hmm. the next photo. And then I do three minutes of that. And next thing you know, I've got hundreds of photos that have had three minutes of editing each. (laughs) And I, I never go back and finish them. Like I it's just terrible. Oh, yeah. I've got so many photos waiting to be edited and not really feeling that inspired to go and do them. Yeah, no, I, I, I know that feeling. I've, I've got a number of panos that I've taken over the years that I'll, I'll, you know, stood there, took the pano deliberately, you know, occasionally I'll, I'll pull it out and go, okay, now now's the time and you get stuck in and you, you get it done. But um yeah, I've I've probably got about thirty or forty of them just sitting there waiting, waiting. For to to actually stitch them together and make sure that you know I've got all the, the the lighting and everything right in each of them and yeah, just just uh, rarely I, ever um, happens. 
obviously do a, a fair amount of the focus stacking as well. And so yeah. um, between each set of photos, I've got a I take a photo of my hand in front of the um, yep. in front of the camera, which is designed to show me that that's you know that's the end of that series of photos. Sure. But then I download my photos and I've got fifty photos of my hand. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't even deal with this. Oh, Shut yeah. Lightroom down and and you know it's full of photos of my hand. Well, I've I've learned to count by fives because I I've got my setup to uh, to to shoot sort of five exposures when I'm um, yep. bracketing and. Uh, yeah, I, I so I tend to tend to do that. So it, it does get a bit weird though when I get out the uh, the ten stop filter and go to bold mode, and then you know I might only take three or four or two yep. depending on what the lighting's like. <laughs> and then you're like, "Where's that photo gone? What did I do yeah. with it?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so what uh, what 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 piece of kit can't you live without? Probably my 24 to 70 lens. Mm -hmm. um, when I started photography, it was always the 16 to 35. It was always very, very wide. Um, but I just love the 24 to 70. And, and the more panos I've done, you know, I, I don't need that width anymore. If I want to fit more and I'll just take extra photos. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that photo and my tripod as well, of course, I um, you know, doing a lot of long exposures, but also just to try and be able to visualize that scene. And I just use my tripod quite a lot, probably more often than I need to, to be fair. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So yeah, camera 24 to 70 in my tripod and I can, I can go off and take some photos. Fair enough. <laughs> Do you see uh, social media, I guess, as uh, uh, your, your main platform for getting the word out about your photography or do you, do you do a lot of word of mouth or how, how, do, how do you sell prints, I guess? How do, you, how, how do you get the word out about what you do? I, I think social media has played a huge part for me. Um, I kind of consider myself a bit lucky from when I joined Instagram. It was when, you know, it was in that big growth period and, yep. you know, people struggle these days, but I found it quite easy to grow very quickly and I've got a huge number of, really you know a huge number of followers but ignoring all of those followers who never engage with you I have a really good core number of people who have been really supportive of me the whole way through yeah. um, and then and then a lot of friendships as well um, I struggle with social media these days I've really got to push myself mm -hmm. to do it you know it's, it's harder and harder to get yourself out there um, with algorithms and that sort of stuff and so it's not that instant gratification so much anymore you know I keep my focus these days is just trying to build my website build the SEO on the website so that if people are looking for something in particular they're going to find it through my site yep. um, and I do find probably a lot of what I sell these days has been found by Google yeah yeah um, and quite surprising like I have sold a few prints in the last couple of months where I've kind of put them on my website to fill it out you know particularly in Wellington oh I don't have a lot of Wellington photos okay I'm just going to throw these ones up as well and they've sold and it's been something specific that someone's looking for because it's a meaningful place to them yeah. um, and so I don't find myself selling the Mount Cook photos as much as I 
find myself selling Pukatura Bay, for instance, oh, wow. like a little bay in Wellington. Yep. Um, yeah, so so Google is a, I need to make Google a bit more of my friend. Um, yeah. But the social media, you know, like I said, there are people there that have supported me right from when I joined in 2016 or whenever it was. So, you know, I keep sharing my stuff for them as yeah. well. But, you know, social media has got a lot to answer for these days. It creates Absolutely. a competitiveness and it contributes to the over-tourism side of things as well. So yeah. the, it's the light gonna, side and the dark side. <laughs> I, I was going to talk about some of the dark side of things. I mean, have you noticed in some of the locations you shoot that... Uh, there has been impacts on the environment from, you know, obviously over overcrowding or over over overshooting as one term for it, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've only got to look anywhere there's a fence, right, and see yep. what's happening just on the other side of the fence, and it's it's pretty disgraceful to be honest. You know, where these fences are, you know, they're either protecting private property or they're protecting the environment, and mm. and people don't seem to put much respect into a fence these days and so it can be frustrating um you know we've had COVID for the last couple of years so I've really seen less people everywhere I go which is quite nice but yeah yeah you know it's people talk about the tourism in New Zealand and we certainly went through a period where there was a lot and you know people were just going to the iconic places and skipping the others which yeah. from my point of view was a was frustrating um but then probably the worst experience I've ever had with over tourism was at the 12 Apostles in Australia. Yep. Um, and I, I was visiting the region over Easter. So of course it was going to be busy, mm -hmm. but it was just outrageously shoulder to shoulder and people jumping fences and people flying drones when they weren't supposed to. And you think, you know, 90% of these people here are trying to get a shot for Instagram. Yep. And, you know, it's pretty depressing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that's probably where, you know, and I, I know, you know, it's almost impossible to, uh, you know, yeah, you can not geotag somewhere like the Great Ocean Road, but, you know, if you're taking a shot of the 12 Apostles, there's not many other places that look like it. So. Nah, that's right. <laughs> people are going to find it. Um so I think, you know, as photographers, yes, we've got a bit of a responsibility for, you know, some of that. And, you know, so I've certainly stopped uh, geotagging quite a lot of mine unless it's somewhere, you know, Sydney Opera House. Well, you know, you're going to be standing on concrete to, to look at it anyway. So yeah, that's right. Probably, probably the environmental impact isn't going to be that bad but uh you know it, it is a bit different when you're going to say a, a a little waterfall in the blue mountains you know I'll, I'll just say yes this is in the blue mountains but that's all I'm going to tell you you know yeah and, but there's the pushback for that too right you know oh, absolutely. somewhere just just yeah. recently that I posted and um it's not a well-known known location and so someone asked me well, multiple people asked me where it was and I was I don't want to be rude like I don't want to say I don't want to tell, sure. tell you because you know there is a balance there and so I I gave the region um and the photo was such that you only had to google a couple of keywords in the region and you would find where you needed to be yeah. um 
and I had a really lovely person who was like, oh, thanks for that information. And then swoop in behind them, someone came and, and named the location. And, you know, there was quite an aggressive post to me. They're like, well, why are you not telling people? Yeah, you know, right. It's very people. selfish of you photographers. And, yeah, um, yeah I kind of got into a little bit of an argument, but this, you're wasting your breath. But oh, I, I also, you know, sometimes I get a bit snippy and I'm like, well, I'm a photographer. I'm not a tour guide. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I'd, it's not my responsibility to be feeding locations to you. And if you want to do your research, you're going to find some of these amazing places or yeah. other different amazing places. Um, but certainly people see it as being selfish with locations rather than trying to protect locations. And if you, yeah. you say you're trying to protect them, not necessarily do people believe you anyway. No. Um, so definitely the dark side. Definitely, definitely. What, what about other dark sides? I mean, that you, you mentioned competitiveness. Um, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, I've, I've spent a bit of time in Instagram, a little bit of time, not, not as much, but, you know, on Facebook and, and so forth. And there tends to be more competition, I guess, in, in the, that realm. It's been interesting seeing the experience on Twitter recently, uh, particularly in the photography community. I mean, my... I, started on Twitter uh, 2011, something like that. And yes, I used it largely as a, a news source more than anything uh, at that time, because yes, there were some photographers on there, but you know, you, you occasionally saw their work and you, you kind of have to go and seek it out because not many people are using it. But it has changed in the last sort of 12 to six months. Um, and really starting to see communities of photographers starting to, to to gather there, which you know I've I've found quite interesting and slightly unusual. I think part of that's the advent of spaces um, mm. where you can actually talk to people, um, which is something that Instagram and you know Facebook, uh, other than Messenger, really didn't give you the opportunity you know to ha actually have a conversation and find out what this person is like. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of torn because I think social media does have its problems in terms of that, you know, competition angle versus that community angle. Um, what, what's your experience with it in terms of, you know, competition versus community? I, maybe it's not so much competition. I just you do sometimes see people getting snippy with each other, mm. um, you know, and it can be clicky. So there's, there's a group of oh, people who definitely. are friends and, um, you know, the, the bits I don't like is when you've got a, a few people who are mates um, and they don't like something someone's posted. And a classic example is, you know, I don't like this either. When people post photos of Mount Cook and they've distorted it to make it look taller. I mean, Mount Cook's beautiful just as it is. Yeah. Um, but you do sometimes see people swoop in and, you know, everyone piles on. And yeah. it, it bothers me because I, you know, I don't think people deserve to be torn to shreds in a, in a public forum. No. Um, on the flip side, I have heard a lot of people say some really good things about Twitter and I haven't gone into that space myself. I, at the moment, creative block, busy I don't feel like I've got sure. the time to fit another social media channel into my life at the moment and and maybe I'll dabble in it later um, but yeah a lot of people are saying that those spaces are really good and they've had some really amazing conversations with people and they think it's really supportive 
I have also seen some other sides of it where, you know, people are saying, oh, hey, guys, I'm on Twitter, but nobody's giving me any response and, and nobody's liking what I do. And, yeah. and so mental health and the pressure to compete is still there on Twitter. And oh, I don't, you know, a, lot yeah, of pe- a lot of people say, oh, it's an amazing place, but I, I don't think it's amazing for everyone. Yeah, I I totally totally agree and totally get that. The, I, uh, you know, the algorithms play their part, but I think also uh, each individual plays their own part. You know, it's it's like anything. If you you know shout into the void and you don't hear anything back, you're going to feel quite isolated. Feel lonely, right? Yeah, yeah totally. Right. You know, and being um, being being the herd animals we are, you know, it's. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, that that I think is not you know it's not just Twitter it's social media in general. Absolutely, and, yeah. You know, it, there's the light side and there's the dark side, for yeah. sure. Definitely. What advice would you give to the ten-year-old Laurie Winter if you were able to? Oh, so oh my man, ten-year-old Laurie Winter needs a lot of advice about a lot of things, but about photography, um, I would probably say believe in yourself a bit more. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I've spent a lot of time taking photos and comparing myself to others and saying that photo is not up to standard and probably still do it myself. So that's a constant dialogue I have with myself to to actually believe what you're producing. Um, I'll go through periods where I won't post because I think, oh, nobody is going to like that photo. That photo is not up to my normal standard. So so definitely, um, yeah, don't compare yourself to others. Enjoy what you do enjoy the photography for the chance to get into nature and to, to experience that mindfulness and probably do it a bit more often than you're doing it. Um, get into it earlier. That yeah. would be the advice I'd give. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So what, what is the best thing about being a photographer? Uh, for me, it is seeing beautiful places and being able to document it, you know, not having to rely on, my 42 year old memory these days to to remember it and um, you know photographs they're a legacy as well and I'm just starting to find that my children are looking at my photos and appreciating them and Mm. you know they've never given them two thoughts in the past but yeah kind of you become a bit of a role model for your children Um, you know they they look at my photos and go oh mum did you do that and that's really nice as well so yeah a bit of a legacy and a stuff like that. Yeah, nice. Very nice. What what would be the worst thing about being a photographer in your mind? Early mornings. <laughs> <laughs> Early mornings with rubbish skies and the light not doing what you want. Yeah. Uh, I, I got asked recently if I could invent a piece of equipment, you know, what would it be? And I was I was thrown. I couldn't actually think of an answer. But afterwards, I was like, oh, of course, it'll be something, an accurate sunrise predictor because I really love to sleep in the morning and I hate getting up. Um, so if I could have something that would tell me when the sky was going to be just what I wanted, that would be, that would be amazing. <laughs> what would you tell somebody that's just starting out in landscape photography? What, what tips would you have for them? Um, take lots of photos and make all those mistakes and don't get dejected by them. Um, because yeah, the, the first part is hard and and trying to figure out you know what sort of photography you are going to be and what your aesthetic might be just take lots and lots of photos and then decide don't try to 
don't I, I guess you know a lot of people say to me how do I become a photographer don't try to become a photographer just go out and enjoy using your camera yeah. and and learning that way and then you'll find yourself as a photographer yeah cool that's great advice what do you like to do when you're not out shooting I like spending time with my children, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I like watching them play sport. I do a little bit of running. So, you know, I, I have a, a bunch of friends and we run together. I did hurt myself when I did a marathon a few years back. And so I haven't been able to, to do quite as much as I used to, but um, trying to be physically active mm. as well. Um, at the moment, I feel like all I do is renovate my house. <laughs> so that's that's taking up a lot of time. And I started a new job recently as well. So, um, yeah, I, I feel pretty busy. Photography is the main creative passion. Sure. Um, and then all those other things. And if there's any time left over, I'm going to have a nap. Yep. Nice. <laughs> Who do you think I should be talking to on the podcast? Are there any, any other photographers out there that uh, you, you think I should get on? Uh, yes, there's a couple. Um, so I have a fellow Wellington photographer um, called Ryan Domenico, and um, he has just moved to Queenstown, actually, so you'll have to chase him down there. But mm-hmm. uh, he has, uh, I really love the authenticity of his photos, and he's he's into climbing, and he's really into hiking in the outdoors, and he just plays with really beautiful golden light. Um, and I'm excuse me I'm always really wowed by his photos and another one that I would have to recommend who I'm really enjoying at the moment is Douglas Thorne Mm. and he does um, he's fjordland based a lot of wildlife down there a lot of the birds um, really really beautiful stuff yeah I've I've seen quite a bit of uh, Douglas's work and uh, he's he's on my list so yeah that's good hunt him down he's a nice guy too excellent um I've got one last question and it's probably the most important one. Um, do you like pineapple on pizza? <laughs> hmm, I love pineapple, but I'm not, don't know about pineapple on pizza. Like I'll tolerate it, but I wouldn't choose it. Fair enough. Can we still be friends? Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a neutral. I, I, I probably wouldn't order a uh, ham and pineapple myself, but, you know, if it's there and then, you know, I'd, I'd eat it. But if it's my 11 year old boy will only eat Hawaiian pizzas mm. and I'm like come on <laughs> there's all these amazing toppings that you could have and you were choosing Hawaiian so yeah, yeah. so non-traditional but you know yeah <laughs> it's the thing and it's there and you know it, it, it's very important that uh, we we get to the bottom of who, who likes it and who doesn't I think oh so have you got some stats you can produce yet Grant I probably do. I haven't actually gone through and done them, but I should. I, oh, yeah. Well, I'd, I'd be interested in the update. Yeah, I might, might, might publish them one day. <laughs> An in-depth study of landscape photography. <laughs> references who likes pineapple? To <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much for uh, talking to me, Laurie. It's been absolutely a joy to catch up with you and uh, fantastic to hear about how you do what you do. Where can people find your work? Um, If you Google my name, Laurie Winter, you'll find me. So I'm Laurie underscore Winter on Instagram and Laurie Winter Photography on Facebook and on my website. 
Fantastic. Thanks very much, Laurie. No problem. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon. Mm -hmm.